0: Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Well, if I haven't had the joy of meeting you yet, my name is Stephen Lodeholt, and I get the honor and privilege of being the Somerville campus pastor. God has tremendously blessed me to get to lead a campus of some of the greatest people in the world, and I'm forever thankful for that and the position that he's allowed me to be in. So God, first I say thank you to you. And I also want to say a thank you to our lead pastor, Brandon Bowers, who has given me the opportunity to preach today and... Honestly, I say opportunity with almost a little giggle because Pastor Brandon knows good and well that I don't like to preach. If anything, I've, I've asked him not to ask me to do this. But here's the reality. Pastor Brandon has such an incredible heart to see each and every person of Awakened Church continue to grow in their faith. And he knows that in order for me to continue to grow in my faith, I have to be challenged into an area that is not necessarily comfortable for me. So Pastor Brandon, thank you for challenging me to do this because this, of all the times you've invited me to preach, this is the first time that this sermon has truly, truly penetrated my heart and spoken to me in exactly what I needed to hear. And I cannot wait to share it with you today. You see, when I say thank you to Pastor Brandon, I say thank you to God, I'm so incredibly grateful for Awaken Church. And I can say that because at Awaken Church, I came into the doors of Awakened Church for the first time, completely opposed to the idea of a God. Living a rebellious lifestyle, angry at myself, angry at who I was, angry at the world I lived in. And at Awaken Church, I was led to understand who Jesus Christ is, his love for me. And I was saved at Awakened Church, baptized at Awakened Church, married at Awakened Church, had my children at Awakened Church, and now serve on ministry at Awaken Church. I'm incredibly thankful for what God has done in and through my life, getting to be a part of this incredible church. But I have a, a confession to make with you. I said uh, I don't necessarily like to get up here and preach, and, and I want to be honest with you about the reason why. You see, having only been a Christian for a little over five years, it's the one area that the enemy just starts to pick in my thoughts, starts to let me know, how dare you? Who do you think you are to bring God's word before people who have lived their whole life being obedient and following Jesus? And I start to get insecure about standing up here and, and the mantle and what it means to be able to bring God's word before his people when I'm only an infant in belief in years myself. But here's the great beauty of that. I also understand that from being saved to being on staff at Awaken Church, that journey has had a lot of lessons that I believe we all can learn from. You see, because the greatest lessons I learned were through some of the hardest hardships that I faced growing as a Christian. It leads me to, to an example that I want to use. See, our Somerville campus, we've got this incredible man named Elliot. Now Elliot, if you're from Somerville, I know looking at your screen, you're nodding. Yes, we love Elliot. We love Amanda and their family. Now Elliot, as you can see from the picture, Elliot is not a small man. Elliot is muscles on muscles on muscles. Elliot probably has muscles that other human bodies don't even have. He's got so many muscles. He had to increase the amount of muscles he has. But in talking with Elliot and the incredible discipline it takes for him to be at that level physically, he's had to dedicate hours upon hours of even losing sleep to be at the gym. He's had to have a very strict regiment to his diet. And I've seen in Elliot's life how that discipline in his physical life also transfers over into his spiritual life. And while I may never have muscles like Elliot, though I desire them, I may never have that. It's definitely some good lessons to learn about the disciplines and what we need to experience as the church to be able to grow in our faith. Because see, if you understand anything about the human body, then you understand that in order for a muscle to grow like that, you first have to tear it down. You tear it down and you keep repeating that process and it ultimately grows larger and larger. Well, guys, I want that same thing from my faith. Church, I want to continue to put myself in positions where I get torn down so that I can grow in my faith stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, even if we go back to the gym reference, where Elliot's in the gym and he's lifting and he's lifting weights that he knows he will not be able to continue to lift, but he has a spotter. He has someone there to help him finish the reps. Church, I'm saying I need a spotter. I need a spotter because I'm going to pursue spiritual growth so hard, so passionately that I need you as the church to stand with me and give me a spot from time to time because this man is going to put weight on the bar. This man is going to grow spiritually because I'm going to seek being torn down instead of shying away from it. And every chance I'm torn down, I'm going to look and focus to God and say, what do you have for me? Because I want to learn and grow. Let's put weight on the bar, church. Let's grow together. Let's grow spiritually through this time. Everybody knows the last five months have been incredibly difficult. But church, with the right focus, we will find incredible growth through that. Which leads me to my scripture today. Today I want to read from 1 Peter. You know, we've already gone through an incredible series looking at what Peter has to say about racial reconciliation and the journey that Peter had as he navigated through dealing with that in his own heart as well. And so as we look in 1 Peter, Peter's still addressing issues, and this time not necessarily about race but about difficulties that the church is facing. So I open up to 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read through verses 3 to 9. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. the salvation of your souls. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, I thank you so much for blessing us with another day to pursue you, for blessing us for another day to open our lives and our hearts up to you. God, we desire to know more of who you are. We desire to know more about who we are in you. And so God, today I pray that you speak through me I pray that you speak through me to be exactly what the people watching need to hear. What do your people need to hear, God? And God, I pray that you will work through me to be able to deliver a word for them so that they will know growth and understand you even better. God, I thank you so much for this time. It is in Jesus' holy name that I pray. Amen. So in the mid-50s to the mid-60s, Our country was going through a time where you started to have grocery stores and just any basic need through humanity was met very easily. And they started to see the population climb and climb and climb. And the first time really that we're aware of that the thought became, oh my gosh, what happens when there's no more room? The word overpopulation started to be used. And so the National Institute of Mental Health started to do a study. And this study was through a Dr. John Calhoun. And in this study, Dr. Calhoun took a bunch of mice and made what's known as a mice utopia. But in his experience, he noticed something very interesting. While these mice and in this experiment were provided with every need, they did not have predators coming to attack them he noticed something and said a term that I decided to use as today's title called behavioral sync. You see, in this environment, in this utopia for mice, he noticed that as he only started this environment with a few couples of selected mice, they reached a point where they grew and grew and grew. And while this, this containment for these mice could have housed thousands more, than the population actually reached. What he noticed was very interesting was that as these mice had every need provided for them with no threat, their behavior actually started to sink all the way to the point where they were acting unlike any other mice and unlike mice are designed to act. They even stopped reproducing. They started attacking one another. Mothers would attack their young. All in all, this utopia for mice reached a decline. So when I think about that and I say, what does that mean for me? I think about my journey and, and all the times that, that I've received the biggest growth in my face walk. It's always been after difficult times. I can't say and I can't pinpoint one time where I grew significantly spiritually from having a cushy lifestyle. It's just not how it's worked for me. There had to be an opposition. I had to put my focus in God to help me overcome it. And through that, I understood him even better. Makes me think a lot, especially as a new parent. Makes me think about how you'll see from a a senior citizen as they look at, at me and in my midlife stage and the things that I think are pressures and concerns at this stage of my life. And, uh, And they always have that little smile, almost a little smirk. And they look at me and just, you can feel them saying, oh, just wait. You think this is bad, but you realize later that this is the good time. And it's so filled with joy and you're just focusing on the wrong things. And And it makes me think as a parent when I see my kids fussing about having to go to bed and I'm like, just wait, you'll love this time someday. You know, it just makes me think even more so, how does God look down on us? Our God of eternity look down on us through the little speck of our lifetime and eternity and just want to say, it's okay, child. I know this seems like the end of your world, but just... Just focus on me. Just keep your trust in me, and it's going to be okay. Leads me to back to the scripture where we're in verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read it again. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. What does it mean a living hope? You know, I use my kids again as a reference. My life is surrounded by my kids at this stage. And my kids every night when going to bed I can tell they're scared of the dark because they want me to to shut all the closet doors. They want me to shut the bathroom door because they're afraid monsters might be in there and, and come out. And so I think one of the greatest things I can do as a parent is not only let them know that, you know, I've run the monsters away and let them know that daddy's just right here if you need me. I think that is one of the greatest things I can let them know is I'm right here. And so when I think about a living hope, I think about the fact that in our life, if you have opened your heart up to accept Christ in your heart and you know that the promises of his word are true and that he is with us in everything, we have a living hope. We don't have hope and belief in something that was, some person or, or being that was. We believe in what is is now. God is alive. Jesus has resurrected and is with us. We don't have to worry about some hope that is just smoke in the wind. We have something that we can see actively working in our lives and in the lives of other people. We have a living hope. And so church, if, if we keep our focus on that, if our hope in that lives, then hardship dies. Hardship loses when our hope lives. It can't sustain because our hope is looking ahead. You know, I look back at Scripture all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. I see incredible stories of people continuously hitting hardship. And that hardship continues to lose as long as they have their focus on promises from God. We would do well to learn from that. We would do well to model our own lives after that. We would do well to support one another in that as a church. No matter what we're facing in the world around us, we have a hope that lives for eternity. We have a hope that has given us incredibly good promises, that is with us, that loves us no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're thinking and feeling. It is in our weakness that we can hope in Him even more. You know, there's a big difference between hope and anxiety. You know, both both are thinking about a possible future outcome. Not having been someone that's struggled with anxiety, I don't really feel qualified to talk about it, but I definitely understand enough that while anxiety leads people in a fear-based place, of what may happen in the future, it affects their present in a negative way. On the flip side of that, on the flip side of that, if we have hope about the future outcome, it transforms our present reality into understanding that there is something greater than what we're currently experiencing. Hope versus anxiety. They both look to the future. We have to choose which one. And that's not easy. I understand that that's not easy. It's not just something that we say, well, I know this is the most difficult thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm just going to choose to hope. Even though I'm battling being incredibly anxious in this situation, I'm going to choose hope. We have to grow in our trust in God to be able to understand how to choose hope versus being crippled by anxiety. And to do that, we have to understand how we grow to get there. That leads me to my second point, that there is a purpose to purifying. You see, as we jump back in, in verses seven and eight, I'll read them here. These have come, and glorious joy. You see, while the scripture here talks about being refined by fire, having been very blessed to get to be a welder and fabricator for more than half of my life, I understand a lot about what it means to be refined by fire. One of the greatest joys for me of being a welder fabricator is that I get to take some very dangerous equipment and use it on a daily basis. And so to help this example, I wanted to use some of that equipment today. And you know what, wives out there, I want you to know, I do believe God's given me a great word for today, but this particular part's not necessarily from God. It may very well be from your husband You see, men, we need to risk life and limb to get certain satisfactions and joys. So to be able to turn this thing on and have a large fire right here that could cause damage brings me a lot of joy. But when I tie it back to the sermon and I think about being refined by fire, this is half-inch steel, and I don't have the muscles of Elliot so I can't simply bend this on my own. There are certain metals, like gold that was referenced in the scripture, and even this steel, there are certain metals that require heat to be able to be shaped and refined into what the person holding it wants it to look like. You know, one of my favorite things about the finer metals like gold and silver, is you refine those to get all the imperfections out of it and as the person that's holding it and shaping that fine metal keeps it under the heat that person keeps those finer metals under the heat until they can see their own reflection because at that point at that point the person that's holding the metal in his hands can see himself in it he knows that all the imperfections are removed All the impurities are removed out of that metal. But you might be watching today and you're not really comparing your life to the softness and the delicacy and just the sweet nature of some of the finer metals like gold or silver. You might be watching today and you're more like the hardened steel. You know, I want to let you know that There are times when God's trying to shape you that he's going to put a little heat in your life, he's going to allow a little heat in your life so that he can mold and bend you into what he wants to see. You know, and it may be difficult at times for you to be going through that, but really what he desires is for you to keep your focus on him so that he can heat and shape a part of your life and allow that area to cool and then move on to the next part and He can heat and shape that part of your life. Because if we're talking about eternity, then we need to understand that being shaped and created to look like the image that our Creator wants us to be is of greater importance than anything else that we're going through. You see... I wanna be like Jonathan in First Samuel. Jonathan knows there's an enemy out there on the other side of the battlefield. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer in First Samuel 14 and he says, let's go. Like I know God has the power to deliver these enemies into our hands, let's go. This incredible armor bearer is like, my heart, my passion, it's all where yours is. I'll go with you. And they put themselves in a situation where God has to show up. If they are truly doing the will of God, God has to show up in this situation. But his heart is so open to what God is doing. He says, perhaps he will show up. Regardless of that or not, I'm gonna go. Because I know God has called us to this. And God does a mighty work by delivering the enemies into Jonathan and his armor bearer's hands. I want that kind of faith. I wanna be willing to go, even though it looks like certain death, I wanna be willing to step into areas where I am forced to see God work through me. Because if if you've been living a Christian life and, and you don't know that you've seen God work, it's because you're living a cushy version of what's not meant to be a cushy version. You see, God didn't invite us into a tea party. He invited us into a battlefield. And the more that we understand that and embrace the fact that God has equipped us as warriors, given us a power that is far greater than ourselves, then we'll see him work in a mighty way through us. We just got out of a series that talks about racial reconciliation. And if you find yourself caught up being angry about the fact that you got challenged from this stage, but you're not willing to see god show up in your own life to go have a conversation with someone that views things differently from you then what are we doing where's the growth in that yes the last five months have been incredibly difficult but we can praise god and thank him for the difficulty as long as we look for the growth that he's trying to do through us when all this coronavirus and and racial reconciliation stuff, when we're on the other side of that, will your faith and your trust in God look any different then than it does now, then than it did at the beginning? Are you growing? Guys, it's an incredible opportunity that we get to model Christ in all these difficult situations. Christ gave us an incredible example in here of loving everyone. Christ gave us an incredible example in here of being a servant to people, even at the risk and cost of his own life. We would do well to model that ourselves. You know, if you're anything like me, before I was saved, and you're looking in at the church and you're thinking, that's just a bunch of fake people that think they have their lives together, but they're not really showing what's behind the doors. My hope and my prayer for you is that today, hearing a sermon about us needing to embrace hardship, to prevent behavioral sink and embrace the circumstances that God has us in, even though they're difficult, I hope that opens your heart just like it did mine to understanding if people are willing to go through that, then there has to be something they know that I truly desire, and that is Jesus Christ. How can I see this book filled with hardship, but also filled with, just as it says right here, inexpressible and glorious joy? The two don't go together outside of Christ. They don't fit in the same sentence outside of Christ. My hope is for you today that you'll understand that God is real And Jesus is real and he loves you and he's pursuing you. The very fact that you're watching this sermon right now means that he is pursuing you and he wants a relationship with you. No, I'm not inviting you into something cushy. God's not inviting you into something cushy. There are moments where this is incredibly hard, but church, church in itself is the spotter that helps out. Church, I'm ready to put weight on the bar. I'm ready to grow in my faith. I'm ready to grow and seeing how much not only God will work through me, but through each of us as we open our lives up to being used by Him into the community around us. We should be leading the way. Through all adversity, we should be leading the way and filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because we have hope. We have an eternal hope in a living Savior. And if this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus today and the hope of an eternal Savior, you are just a text away from having somebody walk through that with you. You're a text away from being embraced in a church that wants to help you grow in your faith and understanding of God. Just as I said, our lead pastor never will let off the gas on that. He models it so incredibly well for us. It's available for you so great knowing there's a purpose and a hope beyond what we're currently facing. Will you pray with me, church? Father God, I thank you so much for today. And God, I thank you for the honor and privilege of getting to bring your word. God, there's not a moment that I've ever spent in your word that something didn't happen. It's called a living word for a reason. And God, I thank you for the incredible work of what happens when I just read your word. When I read your word out loud, I hear you speak. God, I thank you for providing that for us, for guidance and and God, for the people watching today. God, I pray that we seek you in every situation we're in. God, I pray that as a church, we will not shy away from any kind of hardship, but God, we will embrace it with a joy-filled heart, knowing that you are refining us, you're shaping us to look more like you. And for God, for the person that's watching today that doesn't yet know you, hasn't yet opened their heart to you, I pray that this very subject will be a catalyst in their lives that'll lead them to understanding that while everything around them may be falling apart, Just as we sang, God, in the hymn to you, it is well with my soul. Everything else could be falling apart, but it is well with my soul. God, put a burning on their heart to know you and to understand that greater. It is in Jesus' holy name that I pray, amen.